Welcome once again to Oakwood Connect. This is Pastor Ariel with Elder John Tromley, and we are about to conclude Matthew chapter 6, um, and we're going to be talking about the cure for anxiety. Well, John, uh, it's good to be with you again, brother. I We kind of missed last week. Our schedules were a bit off. Yeah. But uh, I'm glad that we were able to... Uh, Pick up again where we left off. I'm excited to hear this cure for anxiety. Yeah, oh yes, it's, it's a vaccine <laughs> that Jesus gives that um, comes with a very, very tiny needle, mm. <laughs> but a big barrel <laughs> container, <laughs> about five gallons worth. Um, why don't you read for us what Jesus describes as the cure for anxiety? Sure. Uh, we are in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 25 through 32. And it says, uh, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? <clears throat> Excuse me. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So there it is. Don't worry. No more worrying. Christians never worry about anything. That's right. End of the podcast. <laughs> Have a nice day. Right. Um, now, obviously, this is one of the longest uh, This part of the discourse. Jesus kind of just goes on a roll. Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting that he goes on this in regards to some of the basics of life. Uh, shelter, food, nourishment, and his constant repetition is, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. And he contrasts his audience with the audience of unbelievers, mm. Gentiles. Mm -hmm. and, and Gentiles, we could, to make it much more practical and applicable to our day, it's just humans. Right. Humans that may not have God in their radar. Humans worry. Humans concern about themselves. And there's this undertone here that is not um, explicitly said, but it's about what will happen tomorrow, right. the future, mm. and in, in its relation to having our needs met. Mm. And Jesus is trying to put a reality check on us. Um, even if we did know the future, what could you do about it? Right. You know, the, the future brings so many uncertainties that... Um, our attempts to try to control and redirect um, would probably still prove futile. Um, and then he points to creation. Mm. It's almost, um, for me at least, in this narrative, it's almost as if he is um, bringing us back to Genesis when after 120 years of Mo Noah preaching and saying, come into the ark, and no one does, the animals do. Mm the animals proved to be way more trusting and more way more obedient than human beings were. And here Jesus is saying, look at the birds, look at creation. 
I provide for them. Right. They're not stressed out. They're not looking at the news. They're not looking at Wall Street. Um, I provide for them. They know that, and they are okay with that. Mm-hmm. Why can't you trust me? Yeah, and, and it's interesting that you point out he goes back to the garden because up until the sin problem, there was that 100% trust, right? Mm-hmm. It was just there. You know, when, when I read these verses and I think of uh, the of worry, and I... We've all said it, I think, you know, what, what people that don't have God, how can they, when they watch the news, what, what, how can yeah. they be okay after that, right? Um, Maybe that's why they don't recognize that they make politics a religion mm, and right. they have their own messiahs, you know, they have their own saviors. Well, we're really seeing the, the fruit of that right now, aren't we? Probably yeah. more than ever because we are, we are putting our, our faith in humanity. Isn't it interesting that the same people who who don't trust other humans, and yet we pick one human that we do trust for some reason. It's really, rather it be a politician or, or you know, the scientist or whatever it might be, uh, they're the good ones, they're, they're telling me the truth. Yeah, it, you know, again, uh, you know, I was, again, I wasn't always a Christian, and I, I, I remember just having that, what you're talking about, that worry about the future and all those things, and, now, as a Christian, again, now I can sit there and say, boy, what do people do? You know, the uh, we already talked about it, but the undertone of this whole thing is, is that the worry, it robs you of the peace that God does give you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I don't think people understand that that aren't Christians. They mm-hmm. don't understand. How can you smile like you do? Right. When all these things are going on. But it, there is no matter how hard life gets somehow there is still that peace there that, mm. that, that God offers. Um, you know, you're saying that and I'm thinking, he's right. I have yet to hear a bird sing a sad song. Right. You know, they're not, oh, will I find a worm tomorrow? <laughs> right. <laughs> they, they're, they don't know that sign, that, that statement that we say, you know, the early bird gets the worm. They're just like, no matter when I go, if I search, I, I will find one, God will provide. And there's that element of future that is implied here, we, we, that, that scares us. It's out of our control, it's out of our realm of knowledge, and so it makes us uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But then there is this other underlying element of, I provide for myself. Right. The, the lack of uh, peace is that I feel the burden, and I begin to recognize, the older I get, I begin to recognize how fragile my capacity to provide for myself really is. This is the rub of Christianity. You know, uh, we're taught to to uh, provide and to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and, and go out there and work hard. And those are very good attributes, lessons. Yeah. yeah, those are good attributes. But with Christianity, and this is the rub of Christianity, Christ is telling you that you have to let go of the things you were taught mm. and that he offers you this this other thing if you for a different way of saying that uh he's he's saying that you aren't in control you know with this mindset some people might say well then that if i were to embrace christianity that would put me at would that put me at risk of being mediocre because if I have to, you know, accept the mindset of pulling myself by my own bootstraps, you know, I, ha- I have to work hard, I have to do my best, be competitive. Um, does, Christ, does Christ want me to be mediocre about it? And you say, oh, God will provide, so 
I'll wait till a job calls me. Right. <laughs> I'll right. pray for it. I don't think it, Jesus is going in that direction. No, this is the worry that we have. This is the worry that we have <laughs> that, uh, you know, uh, saying not to worry does not neglect responsibility. Yeah. You still have responsibilities. You know, it, you just made me think of uh, when I when I first became a Christian and I was going up for a new job. And, you know, as an Adventist, we have this Sabbath issue. And I was talking to the manager because um, they had hired me. Well, before no, this was before they hired me. I came in and I let them know about the Sabbath. And and he, he of course, this made me look weak, right? He does... He didn't want somebody that wouldn't work on Saturdays. And and I told him in, in the meeting, I go, look, if you are going to like this person, this person's going to work way harder for you and all these other things with this stipulation than the guy you would have got before. You wouldn't have you wouldn't want that guy that would have worked Saturdays, wouldn't have had a problem with it, but he wouldn't have worked very hard. Christianity does actually make you better it does yeah. make you strive better because you're not you don't have a human as your ultimate evaluator of who you are exactly you have a god that sees you when you're a break when you're sticking something that doesn't belong to you in your pocket or when you're choosing to be faithful and faithful with your job responsibilities it, it actually brings a higher quality joseph excelled because he had a, a god-centered worldview joseph was very good he trusted god i mean he was betrayed by his brothers god was all he had and yet in Egypt, the Bible says that everywhere Joseph landed, God caused him to succeed because his notion of God will take care of me allowed him to do a good job, not trying to impress a human being, but trying to impress God. And if you can impress God, you can impress humans. Your outlook on the world is just completely different. I, I, it's so hard. It is one of the hardest things to explain because, you know, again, you not only are you... Uh, working for God, but you're also representing him at the same time. Mm. So you don't want to let him down for, you know, again. You know, I'm, I'm trying to think of, you know, a good way to illustrate to someone that struggles with right. this, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember some years ago reading about, I think it was in Britain, a fire broke out in a nightclub and many people perished, not because of lack of exits, but because everybody tried to bum rush to the exits and mm -hmm. created bottlenecks. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm thinking, what if everybody had the notion and the conviction, we're all going to get out. We can just have peace because we're all going to get out. So let us line up in orderly fashion and just leave mm -hmm. in orderly fashion. And to boot, let us have the mindset that because we are all going to get out, I'm going to be concerned that you make it out. So, you know, let's figure out this person here is a slow and elderly person, someone right. that is not familiar with the building. Let's help them get out. I don't think there would have been any casualties if that, that would have been the mindset. Exactly. What caused the casualties was the freaking out, worrying, and trying to preserve myself. Exactly. And this is, you know, again, this is what Christ is talking about. You know, earlier you said, you know, you pointed back to nature, that it trusts God. And it's, you know, it's interesting. As we worry, we really do lose so much of God. And for example, we really do, we lose with worry. We we miss the artistry that God has mm. for us. And and you might say, well, so what? what? What's that matter? You know, I always point out to my kids, for example, uh, you know, God could have just made one tree, but look at all the different trees and look at how they're all different. You know, God is an artist. And you might say again, so what? What, what does that matter? Well, that proves that God cares for us. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's just one of those one of those proofs that he cares for us. Yes, we could have had grass. We didn't need flowers, mm-hmm. but he de- he desired it to be beautiful for us. Um, he designed a nose that could appreciate the scent of a right, flower. He designed exactly. eyes and a brain that could appreciate the color combinations and all those things. I mean, that, that for me is this thing that I struggle too, right? Um, if, if we truly came from a blob of slime somewhere, why why create apples? Mm-hmm. You know, why have honey crisps? Uh, why have mangoes? Why don't trees just produce the pill that gives you the exactly. nourishment you need? Right? Why don't we just eat dirt? <laughs> right, exactly. So why, why aren't fruit just like a big encapsulated, you know, liquidified form of dirt that is stinky and smelly and doesn't taste like anything mm-hmm. but dirt? You know, that, that for me, every time I eat a fruit, I think of that, man. You came out of a piece of brown dirt. Makes no sense. <laughs> went through this uh, sap and out from these branches came out this delicious nourishing. It's not just that, like you said, you know, multivitamins taste nasty. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we create. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. the best that we could create, you know. But when God created the way he nourishes us, he is an artist. He's a culinary artist. He's a visual artist. He's an auditory artist. And he points to nature, to, to that aspect of it and say, if I care about things that because of sin now perish, how much more will I care for you that I'm trying to save for eternity? Right. Mm-hmm. There's there is now a contrast of saying, he's not trying to say you are worth the same as a flower. He's simply saying, look, Solomon could not even dress himself like one of the flowers that I've made, just like the multivitamins. Mm-hmm. Um, and these flowers will perish anyways. I, I'm, I'm concerned for your eternal destiny. You're being consumed and worrying about things that you ought not worry because I got your back. What you should be focusing on is what matters for eternity. Amen. And you can neglect that very easily by worrying about what you will eat, what you will wear, what you, where you will live. Will, will your material earthly needs be met? And it goes beyond that. I mean, think about, we can all, I believe anyway, we, if we're being honest with ourselves, we can all look in our past and realize that we made decisions that have affected our lives just because of worry. Yeah. You know, I, if, you, if you talk to people today, again, that, that don't have Christ, for example, uh, and you ask them why they get married, because that was something that always baffled me as a, as a, as yeah. a non-believer. Why get married? I don't need a piece of paper to tell me that we can live together. We'll just live together, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so... But but you hear what people say about why they get married and, you know, they don't want to die alone. How romantic, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't want to hold hands in the casket. Right. I don't want to die alone. I need some. And, and then you ask them, then you take that step further. Why'd you have kids? Well, I need somebody to take care of me when I get older. I mean, I've heard stuff like this from people and this is their, that's worry. That's what worry makes you do. Stuff like that. Um, you know, in the verses he talks about, um, and that's not a guarantee either. Having kids is not guaranteed, right? Exactly, it's fifty-fifty chance. Exactly. I mean, they may grow up to hate you, and and you know, so yeah, it's just that is a. But we do these things for worry, and if I mean, man, if you can think about like even high school, the you didn't want to get picked on and stuff. So the decisions you would make for, you know. The dumb things you would do, I'm gonna exactly. comb my hair this way because I'm right. gonna be original like all the other two. Exactly, students. yeah. So, I mean, you really think about how these things affect your life. They Stupid things you might've thought about in high school, they probably still have something in you today. You know, maybe you're saying that and I'm thinking, 
maybe Jesus is saying all of these preliminary things and closing with, but seek first the kingdom of God, which is verse 33, which we haven't read yet. Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about that later. But maybe if I live a life with these as my primary motivators for my decisions, the worryings, maybe this will prevent me from seeking the kingdom of God first. Absolutely. Um, Because what I'm thinking is, like you said, the situation about Sabbath, right? It's not simply about being faithful to a day, but to the God behind that day, that that, that day points to the creator, the provider. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I believe that God is the creator, when he finished creating planet Earth, he said, this is very good. Why? Because everything I have made meets the need of everything that I have made. Mm-hmm. All the needs are, are sustained and met through what I have created here in a beautiful way. Yeah, and ironically, we're talking about worrying, and the Sabbath represents that rest, that peace that God gives. Is the the real cure for anxiety is Mm -hmm. the principle behind Sabbath, but if if I reject that, and if I resist that, and if I not yield to that conviction, I end up like Peter. Peter worried that he also was gonna get beat up like Jesus. Mm. Peter worried that he would also um, lose, you know, his health. He would get beat up. He saw the, the the brutality in which Jesus was treated, and because of that fear of self-preservation, he buckled. Mm-hmm. He was not able to be faithful. He just realized Jesus is saying, "Don't drink. Don't worry about what you eat. Drink. Worry about clothing, etc." And then I think about if if Christianity in that first century would have remained this way, worrying about these things, how many martyrs would they have been? Right. Because everybody would have been like, well, I can't lose my clothing. Well, I can't lose my food. Well, I can't lose if I follow Jesus. And so the worrying about these things prevents me from being faithful. The worrying about these things actually puts me under slavery, slavery of fear. And that's Satan's territory. Absolutely. The moment Satan can get us to be afraid about something, boom, he, 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 he can control us through that fear, which will lead to many other, um, many times imaginary fears, fears that are not even real. And Jesus is confronting us. Yes, you may not see me. Yeah, sometimes you ask me for things in prayer and it doesn't turn out that way or you feel like you're getting silence. But every prayer you say and every need that you present to me, I already know about this. I've already heard, and we talked about this when Jesus was teaching us how to pray. Um, When Jesus says that your heavenly father knows that you need these things before you ask him. Right. He's already kind of primed us for this not worrying anti-anxiety uh, presentations right before he taught us how to pray. Uh, do not, and that's on Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, when he says, So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Am I convicted of that? Do, do I wake up in the morning with a realization, I may not be aware of all that I will need today, but my Father in heaven does. And if I were to embrace that reality, if I were to embrace that truth from Scripture, what would I do to my stress level? It would bring it down, right? Yeah, because I don't know how, how I'm going to pay my car that broke down last week. I don't know how I'm going to you know, manage the babysitter that now has told me that she's no longer going to take care of my kids. How am I going to juggle this? How am I going to juggle that? All of that worrying can really bring darkness and forebodings and ultimately make you live life as if there's no God. Right. You're absolutely right. And the only one that you have that you can depend on is yourself. So, you know, we're sitting here and we probably had dinner before we got here. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure somebody might say, boy, that's easy for you guys to say. Yeah, your belly shows it, right? Right, exactly. Uh, (laughs) uh, You know, you you know that you're going to have food. So, 
you know, uh, you were talking about this earlier. When it when we read these verses, you think of the poor, right? And they are worried about where their food and where their clothing. And it's very reality in other parts of the world. Absolutely, I mean, right. Here in America, we are blessed, man. My, my pants, right? <laughs> I have to like suck my, <laughs> for like and button them up. But is this something that just the that the just the poor worry about? That's a, that's a good point. You know, I I thought about that, John. Is Jesus speaking primarily to poor people that would legitimately be worried about their next meal? Mm-hmm. You know, and I remember. Um, working for a friend of mine that at the last moment got me a job working for catering for him at a very uppity resort in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. resort that you know each plate of food is like $150 you know per guest mm-hmm. and so we had to prepare all the food and I remember uh, some of the things that we had to serve you know they already came frozen we had to reheat it and, and whatever but lamb little pieces of lamb with meat and these you know cut in certain angle green beans and and realizing the food has to look like rich Mm -hmm. it it has to meet a certain criteria because the plate of food will speak of the social status of the person that is being served right and so wealthy people worry about food in a sense of will these represent me and represent my social status Mm -hmm. so in that sense wealthy people eat i mean some people right because some others you know they'll they'll go to white castle (laughs) they don't care uh they're they're millionaires and that they like you know mcdonald's or whatever but for the most part there are restaurants that i remember um, going in to see if they could use their bathrooms and while I was waiting for the Metro D to see if I had permission to, you know, go and do the, use their bathrooms, I would peek at their menu, bro, and like drinks for $15, that was the cheapest, plates of food of $50, $80, $100 per plate, you know, mm-hmm. per person, no free refills for your soft drink. And I'm thinking, who eats, eats here? And when I look around the corner, the restaurant's full. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Restaurant's full, and the plates are big, but the portions are small. So they still are worrying about what they eat because right? it, it it still serves a need, a deeper need. Why do I need to have my plate of food or my clothing? The name brands, you know, I don't just buy whatever, you know, mm-hmm. I don't shop at uh, Gap or I don't know what store maybe in style right now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't buy those things, and I go to the boutiques. Right, you know, I buy. Shirts that there's only 20 of them and they charge $500 for these shirts. Um, Why? Mm. Why do you need that? Because there's a deeper need in the heart. Poor people and wealthy people, this is reality, they're humans. And as humans, we have this propensity to worry about things that in the end negate the fact that we have a Heavenly Father that cares for us. And Jesus is trying to hit this boom straightforward and saying you can't continue living like this whether you're wealthy or whether you're poor you can't continue allowing the lies of satan to drive your behavior and your choices because you always make the wrong one you want to make the wrong decision do it when you're afraid Mm -hmm. you know we were talking about this before we you know before we started and uh you had brought out just an interesting point as we're talking about uh you know, in need of nothing type of thing, right? They have this food, and uh, it's interesting that that's what that's what Jesus is talking about. Mm. That he, he he's he's pointing out the food and the clothing, and there's another group of people, and this is what you pointed out uh, in Revelation, right? And mm. 
go ahead and oh, expand. Yes. <laughs> um, the book of Revelation, actually, there's a group of people that probably are wearing, you know, Zarya or um, Dolce and Gabbana, and I'm trying to remember the fancy names. Calvin, Calvin <laughs> You're Klein, way out of my league already. Calvin Klein is no longer the the big fancy name anymore. <laughs> and I don't even know if the people that are mentioning are even there anymore either. Um, but these people are probably wearing those kind of clothing. In Revelation chapter 3, um, Jesus tells this church in verse 17, because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, but you do not know that even if you're rich, even if you eat at restaurants that, you know, the plate costs $200, you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. That's why you go to those restaurants. That's why your closet is full of clothes and you can still look at it and say, I don't have anything to wear. Because you have done it yourself. You have. Yeah. You, and the worrying is, I, I need to continue to sustain this facade, this image that look at what I am providing for myself. Right. Every every year, my, my wardrobe goes to the Goodwill and I go shopping because, hey, every year there is a new line of clothing made for those that can afford to get a new wardrobe every year. And I'm one of those people. And Jesus is saying, deep down inside, if you are honest with yourself, you will find an empty void. Mm. And in, in, in there, you will find this experience that you're miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I advise you, I'm not gonna force you, but I'm confronting you with this reality. I'm gonna advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may experience true richness. And why garments? So that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed and I salve to anoint your eyes that you may see. It's, it's interesting that these three remedies that Jesus provides, the ISAF matches up what we read in the last podcast where Jesus says, if your eye is good, then it's full of light. Mm -hmm. But if your eye is evil, it's full of darkness. And here Jesus is saying, you need ISAF. Your eye is evil. Mm -hmm. You don't know what's truly important. You're worried about that which is inconsequential in eternity. And you're thinking that you are investing all your energies in that which is of the most important, food, clothing, certainly that matters. It doesn't. Flowers are clothed better than Solomon. As far as Israel was concerned, no one ever dressed better than Solomon. And Jesus is saying, actually there is someone that dressed better than Solomon, the flowers that I made in the field mm -hmm. that wilted away by the end of the day. You don't know what true value is because you don't know me. Right. And if you knew me, you would know how much you're worth. You're not worth the $3,000 jacket that you're wearing. You're not worth the $25,000 wardrobe that is in your closet or the $299 shoes that are there in your closet either. Mm -hmm. That's not your worth. As far as if you could see how valuable you are to me, you would know that I would never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. Amen. So Jesus now confronts humanity as a whole, but especially those that claim to believe because apparently the audience of Jesus was worrying just as much as the Gentiles. And Jesus was like, listen, they need to see that it's better on this side because the grass is better on this side <laughs> because I'm the one watering it. I'm the one sending the rain. I'm the one providing the nourishment. And the world needs to say that, see that the grass is greener on this side of the equation in which those that claim to believe in me live a life of peace. You know, the first verse, I don't know if this happened to you, John, as you experienced conversion. Me growing up in the church, um, 
there are very few landmarks, you know, because like John Lettle, you know, he used to do drugs, he used to be an atheist. But for me, there were very little visible landmarks because I didn't have heroin or drugs or whatever mm -hmm. to get rid of my life. Mm -hmm. But I did, I do have this. I grew up in the church, unable to understand the Bible. Mm. And I believe conversion is, at least for me, was when I began to understand it on my own, it had actually meant something. And the very first verses in the Bible that I remember reading and understanding was in the context of me being worried about my green card, my future, will I be able to get married? Will I be able to provide? Again, me, 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 me. And asking God, Lord, I can't, I can't sleep at night. I'm making a lot of poor choices in relationships and friendships. And I'm afraid. I'm afraid that one day I'll, I'll get a ticket or something and um, they'll ask the wrong question and boom, I'm out in the border of Mexico. I get deported. Father, I can't continue living like this. I know the government is not out there looking for me, but it feels like that sometimes. And I worry, you know, if I, if I lose this job, what will happen next? Will I be able to get another job that not only gives me Sabbath, but I don't have documents, Lord. I can't live a normal life in this country and I'm afraid. Mm. And Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven were the very first two verses I have ever understood on my own without someone explaining it to me. And it says this, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And it doesn't say, and Jesus will answer all your requests. It doesn't say that. It actually, I think it says something better. It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard, will protect your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I, re I read that verse four or five times. The Holy Spirit was like, you got to read it again. You don't get it. You got to read it again. You don't get it. But when I got it, that night I slept, John. Mm. That night I, I let it go. I'm like, Lord, I don't need a green card. I need you. Amen. I need you because um, I'm anxious about something that I have no control over. And even if I never get it, I have you. And you will provide. You will open up ways. And, you know, John, as I look back in my life, it was amazing that I was stressed about me getting a job. But when I let God begin to lead my life and I ended up um, moving in the direction that he was leading me, I ended up working oftentimes without having to lie about my legal status, but people finding ways of employing me without breaking the law and yet still keeping me in this country. And I worked as a massage therapist, ended up teaching massage for many years. I ended up doing Bible work, church planting, all without a green card. Mm. Because I didn't need green card to have peace. Just like I didn't need a full fridge of food or expensive food um, or a closet full of clothing or a big house or a house for that matter or a car. I needed God. Mm -hmm. I needed to believe that his love would protect my heart and mind of how much he values me and that he would never leave me or forsake me. And that peace, peace is one of those commodities that the wealthy don't have and the poor don't have. Mm. And Jesus wants to offer it to us. And that's the opposite of, you know, when Jesus, when Paul tells us, and the peace of God, that's what Jesus is offering in Matthew chapter six. Don't be anxious. 
be at peace. So we can have an experience of not necessarily receiving everything we ask of God. There are things that we may have to wait. Some of those things we may have to wait for years. But today, John, you and I can have peace. And the people listening, they can have peace today.